The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. We can see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey. This vaccine will help us get past this pandemic once and for all. We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. Good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. So the Metropolitan Police Commissioner Cressida Dick has rejected calls for her to resign. She's defended her forces handling of the vigil in memory of the murdered Londoner Sarah Everard over the weekend. The mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, says that he is not satisfied with the police's explanation of events on Clapham Common. The Prime Minister has expressed concern about detentions of uh, individuals who are there. Patsy Stevenson was one of four people arrested. The fact that the police turned up was just disgraceful because before then it was a peaceful process. I was arrested by police for standing there. I wasn't doing anything. They threw me to the floor. They had pictures of me on the floor being arrested and I'm five foot two. Well, all this comes as plans to give extra powers to police to crack down on protests are being debated by MPs today. The Shadow Justice Secretary, David Lammy, says the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Bill contains poorly thought-out proposals. The Labour MP Apsana Begum spoke to us earlier on Daybreak Europe. She has called on Cressida Dick to resign. She said a broader approach is needed to tackling violence against women. The narrative of that really suggests as though the way in which to deal with uh, male violence is uh, by uh, harsher sentences alone. And I don't think that uh, that is enough. Boris Johnson today chairing a meeting of the Crime and Justice Task Force on how to improve women's safety. Well, let's bring our guest in for this part of the programme, David Simmons, Conservative MP for Ryslip, Northwood and Pinner. David, welcome to the programme and thank you for being with us. First of all, just give us your thoughts about what happened on Clapham Common on Saturday evening. There's certainly been a lot of concerning pictures and films on social media and in the news over the weekend, and it's prompted a lot of feedback from my constituents. I know the same is true of other MPs across London and across the whole of the country. The Home Secretary has asked for a full report on it. And I think personally, having seen what's happened with the Black Lives Matter protests with Extinction Rebellion, that it is right that we wait until we've got a full picture of the facts of what happened before we reach to conclusions. But the legislation that we've got coming through Parliament this week, it's a very big piece of legislation. It covers all sorts of things which I know are of concern to my constituents. It covers everything from child sex offenders to uh, legal encampments, toughening up the sentences for certain crimes, tidying up the law so that we can be more effective in the way that the courts deal with people who've been victims uh, of sexual violence, for example. So it is an important piece of legislation. And as it goes through Parliament, I think I and, and colleagues will be listening very closely to the debate. We'll be listening to what many of the legal experts in the House of Lords have to say, because many of them have got first-hand experience of how these matters play out, particularly in court, because we need to make sure that these important issues are are dealt with properly. Yeah, Okay. let's get on to the bill in a moment. First of all, around Cressida Dick, um, should she consider her position? Should she go, in your view? 
I have full confidence in the police in London, and I know my constituents' feedback has been, by and large, that they're extremely good and extremely responsive. But as I say, I think we need to wait until the Home Secretary's full report's been received so we know the facts. And if that casts a different light and suggests that there were significant wrongdoing, there were mistakes made by the police in a way that, that makes Preston a dick or anybody else culpable, then that needs to be dealt with through the proper process. But I think we need to know the full facts. And we know that what appears on social media, particularly in the heat of the moment, may look a bit different in the cold light of day when we've got a much more rounded oh. picture of the context. That's why I think we need to see that. And then if, if people need to be held to account because they've made mistakes, that's the time to do it when we know exactly what's happened. Yeah, no, it is interesting. In fact, uh, YouGov Snap poll has said that uh, 23% of those surveyed thought she should resign and 47% thought she shouldn't. So interesting uh, Snap poll there on that this morning from YouGov. But David... I suppose what we do know, OK, we don't know the full facts about what went on. What we do know is the way in which women feel very unsafe on our streets. I mean, you, you must have seen, as I did, vast amounts of this coming out in the wake of what happened uh, to, to Sarah Everard. How can we make our streets feel safer for women, actually be safer for women? Part of it is what's in the bill that's coming to Parliament this week about improving the situation for people who have been victims, that they're properly supported through the court process and offenders are effectively dealt with. So that demonstrates then that the police are dealing with issues properly. A lot of it is about visible policing. I know my constituents always feel much safer in their homes, feel safer out and about when they see police foot patrols, police vehicles out and about on the streets. And that sense of visible policing, even though we know police will tell us that it isn't as good at catching criminals as detective work, that makes a difference to people's sense of safety. I think we yeah. also need to recognise that there's a particular issue about the behaviour of some men in respect of women. And it isn't just an issue for women. We know that the tube, the transport network, particularly if you're on it late at night, can feel quite a risky place. And, and everybody, I mean, as a Member of Parliament, I'm often commuting home late at night. People feel a bit weary and we need to make sure that that combination of things like the closed circuit television that's there, that the visible police patrols, the presence of staff on the tube network is all there to provide that reassurance and that people who are, who are crossing the line, who are behaving in an inappropriate way, are dealt with effectively by the police, by the courts and for the lower level issues, by peer pressure. You know, men need to be making sure that when they've got colleagues and friends, acquaintances who are behaving in an inappropriate way, that they just make it clear that that is not acceptable. And we yeah. need to make sure culturally that we just demonstrate that we, we treat each other with respect. Yeah, and it's just not about Bobby's on the beat, though, surely. Um, I mean, as you rightly point out, it's about changing a vast amount of violence and harassment against women. The UN survey showing that more than 90% of women in the UK experience harassment. 45% of them don't even think about reporting it because they simply think that there's no point, that there will be no response. I mean, the, the talk of kind of courts is... Um, is is kind of a, an issue beside the point for, for most women's experiences of it. But in terms of dealing with it, would you support, for example, a list of violent men, just like the one that we have for sex offenders, the sex offenders register? I think that is that's a very good idea. And if we look at the way in which domestic violence dealt with, it's part of this bigger picture of how society treats crimes that occur against women and things which are day-to-day low-level harassment and inappropriate behaviour. And certainly in my experience as a magistrate in London, the courts bent over backwards to deal in a way that was, was dignified, was compassionate, was respectful with people who are involved in criminal cases. But we know that on average, 
a person who's a victim of domestic violence is a victim 33 times before the first time that they report that to the police because there's an expectation that they won't be dealt with properly. And that's why it is important that we show as a society that we're going to make sure that the police, the courts are dealing with this so that people who are worried about it can see that other people they may know, people they may hear about, have been treated properly, have been supported, have had an experience which has been dignified and respectful. And that will give them the confidence to come forward. And we would hope that that would then create an improving situation where the message is clear to, to, to men who are mostly the perpetrators, particularly of domestic violence, that you will not get away with this. And that if the, the woman who you are targeting is a victim and comes forward, she will be supported properly by the authorities. David, let me ask you then about the bill. You mentioned it at the beginning of our interview, but the bill that's going through the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Bill being debated by MPs like yourself this week, a lot of people are concerned about the ways in which it seems to restrict liberties, apart from anything else. Not least, I mean, a headline, up to 10 years in prison for attacking a statue. Many people point out this seems a very weird uh, change of priorities. Women are not mentioned anywhere in the bill at all. Well, a lot of the things in the bill are about improving the way in which things like the courts operate. So they're quite technical changes, but they'll make a difference. Uh, and I know people who are you know, criminal lawyers who are supporting victims day to day who tell me that this will make it much, much easier to ensure that they are, they're treated with dignity and respect. But also, long before COVID, we know that the country is expressing a lot of concern about the impact of things like Extinction Rebellion that they brought a halt to things like public transport, had a huge impact on day-to-day lives of, of ordinary people who were just trying to get to work. And we need to make sure, as we learned from that experience, that the police powers for dealing with non-violent protests were, were not sufficient, that we have a, a better way forward. And I think that the situation that we started with talking about, the, the vigil that took place over the weekend, has been a good example that what seems to have happened is, is perhaps an inappropriate response using a particular set of rules and laws but actually there will be a different and more appropriate way to deal with it. And we need to make sure that the legislation that we have supports the police in enabling peaceful protest, which is, is absolutely a protected right that people have, but also ensures that we don't see large numbers of people in the capital and elsewhere having their lives you know, brought to a halt, disrupted, having you know, massive inconvenience caused by people who may not be violent, but are causing huge disruption in the way that they conduct those protests. Okay. Um, Briefly on another topic entirely, the EU um, is announcing legal action today over the government's decision to unilaterally change parts of the Brexit deal. So I'm talking about Northern Ireland, the Northern Ireland Protocol. We were speaking to Bertie Ahern, the former Irish um, Prime Minister, uh, with us on Friday. He said that the impasse threatens to upset the Belfast Agreement. Couldn't all of that have been handled a little better? Yes, is is the short answer. I mean, the, there is a, a joint committee, which is, is part of the system that was set up by um, Britain's exit from the EU, which is designed to resolve these issues. Uh, and I would, would expect with goodwill and common sense and calm heads on both sides that we would be able to bring about a, a resolution to that. Now, I, I understand the position of both sides. The EU is clearly very worried that the UK historically has not been very good at carrying out customs checks uh, as a, an importer. And when we were a part of the single market, the UK was known to be a major backdoor for counterfeit goods and, and smuggling yeah. into the wider European Union. The UK, of course, needs to make sure that our citizens in Northern Ireland are able to access an uninterrupted yeah. supply of, of goods. So we need to make sure that people around the table are hammering out an answer to this. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. 
held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, those new restrictions are being considered by MPs in the House of Commons later, but the bill is under increased scrutiny after the Met Police on Saturday used some pretty heavy-handed tactics to break up a peaceful vigil for Sarah Everard, who was killed earlier this month. Bloomberg's executive editor, Rosalind Matheson, was at that vigil this weekend uh, and joins us now down the line. Ros, look, firstly, just tell us a bit about how the day unfolded. Well, in fact, most of the day was was pretty calm. The police were there, but they were certainly letting people just come up to that area and clap and common and lay flowers and candles and stand there. And there were quite significant crowds for a large part of that day. Uh, But the vigil that had been planned for that evening uh, was cancelled because the police objected to it. Uh, People decided to come around that time anyway, including ourselves, again, just to lay flowers. Uh, When we arrived, it it was still pretty calm and quiet, quite sombre, um, and we, we, we stood there for a while. But as women tried to speak to address the crowd, uh, the police moved in to stop them doing so, and then things got pretty feisty, um, and we got caught up in that melee. Um, I got grabbed by a police officer, as did my daughter, um, who's 19, and we had to extricate ourselves quite quickly at that point. They were just trying to push people back um, and to stop any kind of uh, it, it morphing into more of a protest, I guess, than a vigil. Um, so it got a bit rough there for about mm. 20, 30 minutes and they did arrest some women in the process. Ros, did you get the sense that, that this was something where the police were trying to manoeuvre in a particular way or was it just an accident that it developed in the way it did? I mean, was this something where a decision seems to have been made to move it all on to change the, the situation? I think they were trying to keep things pretty calm, actually. I was standing next to, next to an inspector at one point. I could hear the instructions he was giving. And the police were gathering and saying, we just need to get people to disperse uh, and you need to tell them it's an unlawful gathering and encourage them to leave. So they were attempting to diffuse things initially, but it was because people had come, I guess, in so much upset and anger over what had happened. And then to have women to be prevented from speaking about their feelings about being safe walking in London, it just was a moment the police perhaps should have not chosen to go in to try and calm things down. And of course, then things just escalated from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one wonders if this is a kind of really significant moment um, in the UK. I mean, a bit like the Black Lives Matter movement, a, a kind of turning point. There does seem to be a huge amount of anger, a groundswell of anger um, because of the impact of the pandemic on women. This seems to be the tipping point. What do you think? Well, there are certainly big crowds there again yesterday. We went up and had a look as well yesterday. I took my kids and there were sizable crowds there. The flowers had all been very badly trampled the night before and many were back there and rearranged. A lot of people were just passing by looking at the flowers and the signs and, and quite quiet. But as you saw, there were protests yesterday near Parliament House as well. And it's really brought the, the spotlight onto this bill, uh, which would curtail what they call as noisy, disruptive protest and after a year of of the pandemic and lockdowns and of course concerns for women um, in their safety in their own homes as a a part of that and the broader protection of women uh, by the government and at the hands of of the police this seems to have brought out a fair amount of anger across the board and not just in the area 
that I live in. And so you can see that there's going to be a real difficulty for this bill to get through Parliament intact. As a result, uh, people are saying there needs to be greater protections for women uh, included um, and also around the idea of the police behaviour when it comes to women in the community. So it does seem to have really sort of brought out those feelings across the board and that's going to be a difficult thing for the government to manage. Ros, thanks so much for being with us. Rosalind Matheson there, Bloomberg's executive editor. Well, let's bring in another Ros, uh, Rosalind Komen from Liberty's Policy and Campaigns uh, Manager. Uh, Rosalind, thanks so much for being with us uh, today. Uh, we'll talk about the bill in a minute because it is an interesting thing and, and I know something that Liberty's very concerned about. But just from what you saw of what went on on Clapham Common uh, on Saturday evening, do you feel that this was an issue where civil liberties were trampled as well as we've heard as the the flowers that were there. Yes, absolutely. I think it's clear that the police grossly mishandled the vigil on Saturday. Um, And they had another way. Another way was possible. You know, the police could have worked with organisers to ensure that people could have had a space to collectively grieve and to protest the failure to address gendered violence. And instead... They chose really aggressive interventions that put people's health at risk, um, led to chaos and immense distress and stifled people's civil liberties. Um, And, you know, the scenes that we saw of police shouting in women's faces, pushing or shoving them, pinning them to the ground and, um, you know, number of officers arresting individuals really didn't make the women there feel more safe or their health protected. It, It put them at risk. Okay, so then in that case, who is responsible? I mean, Cressida Dick obviously is the head of the Met Police, the first female um, police commissioner of Britain's largest um, police force. Is is she the one responsible? Is it something that the Mayor of London, who is ultimately her boss, should have been thinking about? Or is this a wider political kind of question for the government? Who do you hold accountable then for this decision-making? I think individuals do need to be held accountable for what went on on Saturday. Um, But it absolutely is a wider problem. You know, the government has handed an enormous amount of police um, powers to the police um, to enforce lockdown restrictions. um, And those powers have been used to target protest. Um, And the real author of the disaster that we witnessed on Saturday is the Home Secretary, because... She has relentlessly demonised protesters. She's refused to support um, establishing an explicit exception to the restrictions on gathering for protest in the lockdown rules and reportedly even pressured police in previous lockdowns to enforce restrictions against protesters. And in doing so, she's undermined a vital pillar of democracy, pitched the police against the public by encouraging aggressive enforcement against those who take to the streets to dissent. Um, and now in this new policing bill, as you mentioned, um, she wants to make those restrictions permanent. Um, and really what this weekend, weekend has shown is that the police do not need any more powers to restrict well, protests. Well, Rosalind, you say that. I mean, we were speaking earlier in the programme to David Simmons, Conservative, London Conservative MP, who was saying that actually there is a lot in this bill that would work better in terms of, of the police knowing what their powers are. There's, there's confusion, there's ambiguity. And also, for example, with the, uh, the, the Extinction Rebellion 
organization when they staged protests in London that disrupted people's abilities to get to work and things like this. It, there wasn't the power to, to change that. Surely it's reasonable to uh, make sure that rebellion, Extinction Rebellion events and others of that kind don't necessarily have to completely disrupt all lives uh, in order to get their, their message across. Isn't this simply tightening the law in the right way? It's absolutely not tightening the law in the right way. I think it's it's right to say that the government has thought to characterise this as a response to Extinction Rebellion and the Black Lives Matter movement. But actually, the powers are much broader than that. And if this bill is passed as it currently stands, it will dramatically reshape civil liberties of everyone um, and tip the balance of powers um, in favour of the state and away from people. Um, and what this bill does is give the police enormous powers to target protesters and criminalise dissent from effectively creating a buffer zone around Parliament to restricting protests the police determine are noisy, to allowing them to stop protests that would cause serious unease or create criminal penalties for people who cause serious annoyance. Um, and so I think the cumulative effect of those measures is really an attack on our, on our ability to take to the streets. Um, and I think what we've seen, we saw this weekend is that the right to protest um, is incredibly, is, is a women's rights issue. It's a rights issue for anyone who cares about any issue, but it's going, these, these restrictions will, will be felt most acutely um, by people with less power and people who do experience more significant rights interferences, like women, like people who've experienced violence and other marginalised communities. So, you know, today we at Liberty, along with 150 other organisations, um, signed a letter urging MPs to stand up for the right to protest today um, and to call on the government to rethink this approach because... The events of the last few days have shown that our right to assemble is under attack mm. um, and people are coming together to show that we won't stand for that. Yeah, no, and I, uh, yeah, I do think um, that's an interesting point that you make. But then, I mean, the, the counter argument, of course, is that ultimately what will save lives, what will get people, what will get people and women in particular who are stuck in their homes out of their homes is dealing with the pandemic. You know, if we deal with that quickly, then the economy reopens and we're all much better off. But in particular, what now do you think would actually make women safer? I mean, in public spaces, there has been this huge outcry. What is the, the issue that the government, you know, which has been much criticised, it has to be said, on this issue, what should the government actually be focusing on to make women safer? Well, you know, there's obviously a long way to go to stop violence against women and girls. And that was clear from the rallying cry of women over the weekend. Um, and expert campaigners who've been working on this issue for a long time who've pointed to this being a structural and systemic issue that needs a structural and systemic response. Um, I'm not an expert in that area of policy, but I know that the government's determination to prioritise criminal justice over addressing those root causes really isn't getting us any further. And in fact, a number of women's rights organisations are among those groups who joined the 150 organisations calling on the government to rethink this bill um, and really take steps that would address the root causes of the pandemic and women's and violence against women and girls that we've experienced. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.